What's up, guys? Welcome to The Creative Producer. Yes, we are entering the podcast space now. I'm sure everybody's very excited about that. So, wow, real original. <laughs> gotta, do the big, gotta do the big intro, you know? Let, let me t- hold on. Let me tell you something really fast. I, I was telling a group of people uh, that have nothing to do with the industry that we were starting a podcast and like the reaction was just so blank and like just like oh and it's like oh. that's usually the reaction i give for anyone oh that's the reaction you that's the reaction you gave me when i said i wanted to start a podcast everybody starts a podcast and that's always the reaction like oh okay like yeah. it's unless I mean, like once you start doing it and like people see the content before that they're like oh yeah cool that'll be fun but now we're super excited to start this um it's Long time coming. Uh, I think one of the biggest things we're trying to focus on in this is this is uh, to to share our experiences as um, freelance filmmakers uh, and also just kind of go into some of the industry do's don'ts experiences being you know several years into being a small production company in the area of Atlanta. Um, and there's a lot of stuff that I think people want to talk about with filmmaking and video production in general that they just don't really talk about that we do. And uh, we'd like to share some of our info too. So I'm I'm pretty stoked about it. Yeah, and and before we dive in, so we can like whoever doesn't know much about us, if we can give a big back a little backstory about where we came from and who we are. I know you like lost over on the last uh, sentence, but yeah. So so uh, Dresher Visuals is a uh, production company here based in Atlanta, and uh, we've been around since 2016. And um, our, our focus has all, uh, started really in the YouTube space. Um, so we, we, we started growing a YouTube channel in 2015. So before the business was actually like fully originated. And um, we started a channel then. And uh, once I started going full time uh, as a freelance producer, um, we were able to keep working with that, that client that was growing the YouTube muscle and strength. And um, we kind of branched into that space for a minute. But over the last couple of years, we've really focused primarily on on commercial production. Um, while we're passionate with narrative, documentary, etc., commercials really kind of where where our uh, our focus has been. And uh, we've made a lot of really interesting ads that have uh, reached a lot of people. And um, we've also continued to produce YouTube content, which is really um, something we do on the on the regular too. And uh, I think we're a good example of like the the hybrid modern filmmaker because we're kind of doing things with the internet when the internet allowed video to kind of push as the primary source of content. I think uh, we started right around that time and now it's obviously video is, is key. And um, we, we've kind of watched that evolution go from long form to short form, which sometimes I know drives you nuts, but um, people's attention spans are quite small. Um, uh, to be fair, I, when I started, I thought 30 seconds was, uh, short, but now it's basically five seconds. That, that's been the fun thing I've been figuring out recently is just literally you, we have to have the word count like to, a, to like down to like the number. And that's a, as far as we can go. If not, it'll be past like 30 seconds, past 15 seconds. And then <laughs> it's a hassle to edit. Yeah. I mean, I think it's cool though. Like we've really brought in our horizon. We're, we're focusing now into that CTV connected television route, which I mean, there's new terms all the time, but if you guys aren't familiar with CTV, so connected TV ads are primarily seen on streaming services like Hulu, 
Um, now pretty much every service that I'm aware of, uh, maybe not HBO max offers ad ad playing, uh, viewing. So if you have a subscribe subscription, you can choose to have a lower price subscription model and have ads. Netflix just offered it now. And, um, so a lot of the ads we're making now are being seen on those platforms. And, and that's like the modern TV ad. So when you say, is it going to be on TV? Um, while ads obviously are seen on national television, um, the, 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 the focus right now, a lot of the ads are, is that connected TV because people are paying less for cable and they're buying that streaming service. Yeah. Everybody's moving away from traditional media. It's still there. It's just yeah. not the main source of content that people use. Yeah. I mean, there's content. definitely a market, um, for cable viewers still. Um, and, and there's situations where it makes sense, but, uh, the, the cool thing about connected TV is the fact that you can literally connect with it and the viewer can engage, the consumer can engage with the ad, they can scan a QR code, they can click a link on their phone. It's, it's very integrated. So um, it creates a lot of opportunity to uh, think outside of the box with how to interact with a customer. And I think that's why we've been interested in it because it's, uh, it's, it's a different type of, uh, of platform for us to, to get our work seen and to, uh, to give our clients the ROI that we always promise. Yeah. And, and usually with CTV, uh, there's already a plan of where it's going to be seen and everything. We've had like projects where we like worked on it, like we put so much work into it. And then when we give it to the client, they're like, all right, what do I do with this? Yeah. Let me just, posted an Instagram with, I have like maybe a thousand followers. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a strategy that it's, it's really tough to, to work with a brand and, um, and not have a strategy. I mean, we've, we've learned this be from trial and error. So one thing I did want to say too, is like, if we give, if we give critiques or analyze the situation of a video or a campaign that doesn't work, we're not like, we're not, we're not calling anyone out because these are things that happen to us. And ultimately, whenever we make a product, just like anyone, whenever they sell a product and it's, it's theirs, something that they handmade and custom made, like they want, you want it to work. Yeah. Uh, and we've had projects where we've put a lot of time into something and we've really believed in it. And um, the strategy behind the delivery of the project ended up making it uh, kind of unseen and tank. And uh, that's, that's really discouraging. And We've had to learn that a big part, and, and movies have always done this, a big part of making a movie is, um, is the marketing after the movie. And if, uh, if you don't market the movie properly, you're not going to get the eyes on the film that you worked so many years on. And it's the same with any other type of video. Obviously, there's exceptions where you're going to get that, um, that viral thing, you know, where it just goes and works, and that's a great feeling. But... Um, you can't always get that and you can't always guarantee that. So a strategy is really important and we're working on figuring it out. Yeah. Now. And I mean, oh, yeah, basically overall we'll, we'll, we'll keep it safe. We, we'll keep it generalized, <laughs> but I mean, th there's a couple of like projects that we, we probably kind of dive into later on in the episodes that, you know, that it's done. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. I mean, we don't want to get like sued for defamation or anything, but uh, there's definitely projects that it's, we, it's mostly to like, like kind of like, learn what we learn from our mistakes so you can like learn before you make those mistakes kind of thing for sure and like one thing too that we are going to be talking about um so my primary role with dresser visuals now um as uh i i focus on creative i also heavily produce and uh produce pretty much all the projects um in, in a degree and uh, with that includes budgeting and um one thing i think a lot of uh video content creators, videographers, 
photographers. I think a big thing that people don't talk about is budget. And um, while we're not going to like go, oh, I signed this deal for this amount of money, um, we're, we are going to go into projects, break down the budget and uh, the, uh, the, the, the logic behind it and how much money was really made. And I think with certain projects, it's important to do that because sometimes we forget um, while we are creators and we, we like making art, we also like living and surviving. And um, while we're no pros, I mean, we've definitely over the years learned how to generate an income in this industry and uh, how to, how, and really to learn what, what is, what type of money you need to have to do certain things. So that'll be really cool to go into. I'm personally excited about that because that's something that never gets talked about. So we've been together, we've been working together for, we've been together. Basically, uh, together, basically. basically are married. We're um, a married couple. You called me honey yesterday like three times. That was a At first it was experience. a joke because like he like, he, it was kind of like an, oh honey because he, he was, he did. It's not <laughs> he, a joke. He, How is he, that a joke? Well, man? it's like a thing when you like do something like a little dumb, you go like, oh honey. So that's, that's, that's the phrase. And he was like, God, why is your car so hot? What is going on? And then he's like, oh, the vent was close. And then he opens it. And I'm like, oh honey. <laughs> that's kind of where it started. Okay. Wow. Cool. I got so, carried away and then did it two more yeah, times. The, the problem with you is like you'll you'll get like one that works and then you'll like keep going at it and then it's like just I'll push it. I'll please, push it. Please stop. <laughs> he um, went. There's yeah. a line. Yeah. There's there a, line. a line. You always cross the line. <laughs> with uh, five years comes lots of stories, lots of memories. So um, okay. So do you want to go into a f uh, one of your f funny stories? Or I mean, memories? the the crumb is the one that always pops in my head. Um, we did a, we did an ad for like this uh, prototype speaker, and uh, and it was and we re we rented uh, apartment space and we shot in the kitchen, we shot in the living room, like just different scenarios. They were sleeping. The, the speaker had all these features, and in one shot in the kitchen, there's a close up of the speaker, and then uh, we notice there's like a crumb, like just a crumb next to the product, and. It's like, you know, it's not like a smooth, it's like uh, marble. So like it has all these like little specks and everything. So like Dan's like, can you, do you think you can like rotoscope this out or like just take it out? And I'm like, I mean, yeah, I, I think so. Also, my, mind you, I was in, I was in Puerto Rico where um, that's where my family lives and I was in vacation. Well, not only that, you were also like, we were still like new working together. Yeah, we're, so. we were still figuring out kind of so. like. Uh, I like wish all the you would business be side, so like nice now if I ask for something yeah. removed, because now you're like, <sighs> <sighs> now I'm more comfortable being honest. It's <laughs> like yeah, 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 and I'm literally in the car, just like we just parked to go to Macaroni and Grill yeah. with my. <laughs> so I'm like, I have my laptop in my back, so I'm like, hey, I gotta do this real quick. So I take the laptop with me, <laughs> and and I go to Macaroni and Grill, and we just sit, like, we just sit at the table while everybody's ordering. I'm like, all right, and after effects, just taking everything out. And then like it, and then obviously there's it's macaroni and grill, so there's shitty Wi-Fi. Terrible. So, um, it takes hours to upload, and then when I finally upload it, it looks good. I'm like, I'm proud of it. Great. And then, Dan goes back and says, "Oh, I just cropped it out. I, I was able to scale and just cropped it out." Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, there's a few things to go into here. Yeah. One, um, you know, that's. It's funny now, but like we should have problem solved better I, on, my, on my end and should have just scaled it out. Two, I wanted to clarify the client commented on the crumb. Oh, sorry, the client. The cl and the client was very, 
very particular when they wanted something done they wanted it done immediately and um yeah so <laughs> it, it it that was funny and um <laughs> yeah which is funny because i didn't even think about like scaling in and trying to like just crop it out that was just like that would have been like two seconds but that's that's the thing too i think when you when you when you do projects the more you do the more you understand like so while like there's a lot of things that we want to say we can do um because we can and, and this is something like i know especially with you i've had to like kind of like playing more the producer role in a project where you're you're leading the creative on visual effects or you know you you've kind of wrapped into that and that's it's your time to to really do your what you do amazing at um i'll kind of have to reel you in and be like whoa, whoa, whoa like that that's how long is that going to take or how long do you think that's going to take because um while we want to we want to give our clients the world we also have to realize like um, is this going to make sense for this project? Does this make sense for this budget? And, um, that's not saying we devalue our projects. That's just saying like we have skills and we know, um, when to utilize certain things and when not to. So I think like an example would be like the crumb was an example of, Hey, like we should have thought outside of the box to eliminate the stress of you having to do that. Um, and we, uh, and also I should have communicated with you when I, when I scaled it in, I should have, I should have told you that sooner. Um, cause like, I'm a very, like, I'm, de you have way more patience than me. Like at least 300%. A little bit. More I am also a bit of a people pleaser. So that's where that also comes in. Like, Oh, well, yeah, we can do this. We can do like this crazy complicated effect you want, or like this, this will take like a long time to fix or make, but I'll do it. Yeah, and, then, and then as you say that, I'm just like literally going through my head. You're just all the like, numbers there's, there's no way we can do this in time. And with the budget, there's no yeah. way. Right. Um, but that's, that's why, that's why we work. I mean, that, that, that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean that I don't want to go to the next, take things to the next step. I just, and it's got to be realistic. You have to be realistic, but also you, you need to have a side of you that is a slightly a pessimistic person because there's always something that doesn't go the way you want it to go. There's no like perfect, everything's perfect. Like, We've had so many projects where it's like hell to get to the shoot, like hell. And then the shoot goes intense, brutal. And then the, we, with that, we typically get rewarded with posts. Post is really easy and it's, it's a great feeling. Um, but on the contrary, typically if the shoot's like meh or fine and everything's going okay and just moving and there's not a crazy logistical challenge on the shoot, something in post happens. My point is, is we have to always prepare for that because it, while as you grow, you get better and better, you're going to have unexpected things happen in any type of project. So planning ahead for those things is important. And if we fixate on one thing that puts us back a day on another, um, you know, timelines are really important and, um, we just have, it's just something you have to look at. Yeah. And, and you're usually really good at thinking ahead and like, you know, I left a little bit of wiggle room in the budget for like yeah. anything extra would happen if maybe props or are we need a little, we might need extra stuff or even like uh, just post. Like I know that this will take longer than we think. So like that's always like good to think about. Yeah. I mean, ahead of that. And that's just like having that, having that contingency of like, hey, I don't need, like if I don't want to ever make a budget that's perfect. So that a, a budget that's perfect with no contingency, if all goes to hell, category like if that's not there like i'm really nervous and uh i don't want to feel like that because 
first off, something always goes, but also it's like, if that doesn't, if that doesn't get spent, that's just going to be uh, more, a better chance for the company to recoup costs. That's going to be a better chance for us to make bonus. I mean, that's, that's what that money goes to. So th there's no loss in, in adding it in. So whenever you quote, you really should kind of come up with a budget. You kind of, you really should. Cause it's kind of strange to like just send a number out, not really having an idea of how much something's going to cost. So like, for instance, like if I, if I send, if I send a quote out for $10,000 for a project and, um, the project costs $7,900 to make minimum, like that's not a ton of money, yeah. you know? So it's like, maybe I should have quoted more. So I think those are the things you just got to look at when someone does ask, how much does it cost? That's why like, I hate that question. Um, but I'm starting to kind of learn how to answer it. And, um, you should just, you, you really like, if you sit down and do your numbers and, and work through how much past work has taken and how much money you really feel like you should make for certain jobs, you really kind of can get an idea of like, I hang out in this range. And, um, while it's hard, you know, if you hang out, if you don't do a video, if you don't make videos for less than $5,000 and someone only wants to spend 1500 well i mean it sucks but like instead of spending the time writing a proposal and pitching it if you say our videos start at this price um if they're not in that ballpark then hey you know that's fine like you have a budget and i have a i have a budget of where i work you have a budget of what you want to spend that's that's just how it is mm -hmm. um i think a lot of times we do we do worry we do get backed in a corner in that situation. And, I, and I've done it too. Um, but I've learned that turning down certain jobs that aren't worth the money for your services, um, it's not the end of the world. And it allow everyone to kind of focus on things. So now we're gonna move into the freelance corner. This is a section of the show that I really uh, think is gonna be cool to, to grow upon. It's really just about experiences that both of us have had in the industry as freelancers. And um, really like what we've learned from scenarios and how to make it better. So when I started really freelancing, I was like 18, I'm 32 now. So I'm looking at like right around like 14 years. So with that being said, you know, you, you make a lot of mistakes. You do a lot of things that are right and a lot of things that are wrong and you pick those up. So today we're going to talk about new clients and uh, gig work. And primarily these jobs are going to be like, these are kind of like one to two, maybe three days. They're smaller, short-term gigs. And um, I have some uh, advice I wanted to share on some things that you should do before accepting the gig. So the first question you need to ask for the gig is what's the rate? Um, believe it or not, a lot of people will post jobs and they will ask for a specific crew member, but they won't share the rate. So in that situation, you really want to, uh, to, to, to ask. If they're not gonna tell you, you need to ask, what's the rate? And if they're, if they're asking for numbers, like they're, it's like a bidding war, that's totally fine. People do that. Um, you need to come in prepared. So know what your day rate is. So if someone's like, hey, I need a camera operator, message me with rates, that's fine. But don't message them um, asking, asking questions that they're asking you to answer. Come in, have the rate, move on if they don't take the rate. Um, a lot of times people will come at and say, what's the rate? 
um, as a strategy to get a lower rate because typically creatives do lower their value when they're in a pinch or when they're just trying to trying to get work. Um, and that's totally fine. It's any tactical business person's going to try that. Um, in my opinion, a producer should just say, Hey, I've got $500 for this cam op gig. I'm providing the gear. It's a seven hour day. Um, but that's not always the case. They won't give you those terms. So, uh, what's the rate is the first question. Um, the second thing you should ask is, um, cl is clarifying the hours and the location. So if they haven't brought the, broken that down in the gig, um, knowing the location is really important. I know a lot of people uh, in LA, um, in Austin, Texas, in Atlanta. They'll, there's these are industry these are areas where the industry is very like um, big right now with production. So there's a lot of people in Atlanta that are guilty of this. Um, they'll say production in Atlanta. Are they, they're based in Atlanta, but then they're like an hour away. It's barely ever in Atlanta. Yeah. And, and it's like, okay, so like, I don't, I don't have any issues with not being in Atlanta, but like, if you're saying like in Atlanta and the gig is in Fayetteville, that's like, that's a big commute for someone in the city. So, um, really understanding where that gig is because that commuting time, I mean, that's time you're going to have to spend investing in the day. So if it's a 10 hour day plus an hour commute, you're looking at 12 hours. Okay. So, you know, commuting is something that we all do. It's all part of work, but understanding the scope will kind of make sure you're in a better position of like, is this the right gig for me or not? Because if you're already like, Hey, you know, this, this rate's a little lower than what I normally do. And then they are offering it. And then they're saying, Hey, this, this, this commute is another hour and a half. It's like, oh man, like this really, this might not be the right gig for me. Um, yeah, you got to see the actual worth of yeah. the gig versus your time. Yeah, absolutely. And, and this isn't saying like I'm better, like we really, as a lot of people do do this and it's not a good thing in my opinion, like butchering anyone for their rate. Like, yeah, there's people that are just like absurdly unfair, but like, hey man, if this rate's not fair to you, that's fine. But there's different levels and there's different value to, to, to production to different people. So while I think it's important to have like a set rate for you, um, you know, if I'm coming in a, from a non-union commercial space and I'm offering a rate that's not typically what a union crew member sees, like I'm not going to go ahead and attack that producer for offering the rate. Um, I, I will like I won't take the gig. And, um, I, I will like, I will understand that like, Hey, this isn't the right gig for me, but I don't think we should like ever like butcher people. Like I see that a lot of times when like people in groups that I'm in, they're like, Hey, I'm looking for a cam op that, or I'm looking for a, uh, assistant director and here's the rate. And then it's like 20% less than what like union rates are. I, I think there's just like, Hey, it's just understanding the industries and also like, um, you know, it, it's not the same world. So um, while we shouldn't devalue our work, I think we have to uh, understand that we have to adapt our work to the scale of production. And that's really important. Um, yeah, it, it's all on a case by case basis as well, depending on like, you know, where you are financially, you know, you have free time, like I have free time to kill. Let me make a couple hundred bucks for like this gig, even if it's a little lower. It also depends, you know, it could be like two hours, it could be five hours. So it, it, it's also a case by case. Yeah, 100 percent. Like, I mean, I know you and I are both that way, especially when we were first starting out, like, um, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I got some downtime for the next couple of weeks. So I, I wouldn't mind taking this gig. Um, now, um, a next thing I want to go into the next step is, uh, is due diligence. So 
doing your due diligence on any type of freelance job is important. And, and that means just taking time to look and see um, who the company is, who works with the company, and, uh, you know, are they legit? So if they're not legit, it's not that hard to understand because we are filmmakers in general are it's a fairly tight community right so um you know if i type in like there's for example i'm gonna go ahead and blast this person because i don't even think it's a real person i get these emails from this woman named kate potter um and from bark she pretends to be from bark and um she sends jobs they're not real jobs and they're not she's not a real recruiter and this has been a known scam on like the freelance filmmaker forums for years. So instead of like immediately responding to the job she sends me an email to, the first time I did it, I Googled her name and I saw a list of the scams. And then I knew this is not a real job. I don't know what the gain is possibly for getting your W-9 having your social, I mean, there's a lot of things that could be. So, you know, that was an example of like, hey, I did my due diligence. Um, but also just like, you know, looking up the company, are they legit? Looking up their work, looking up the people potentially that they've worked with. Like, that's sometimes a really quick way to see like, are you a clown? And, you know, you might be a clown. So the next one is um, understanding the expectations of the job. So if you're going on a shoot and they're hiring you as a camera operator, um, that's fine. Hey, I want you to, can you bring your camera? Okay, cool. I'll bring my camera. Do you need sound? Mm -hmm. Oh, you need sound. Okay. How many, like, what are you doing? Just like a lob? No, no, no. We want to do like three stick mics, ENG running gun, man on the street, three stick mics. And we want everyone loft. Whoa. So you want six channels recorded? Uh, you might need like, that's a little like much for me to do and to shoot. Like, I, I don't know. That's, that's a lot. And that's a lot on me. So like knowing that I think is really important. Like, I mean, I just told you about that gig I did the other day um, with the, uh, yeah. So I just did a freelance gig. I had a, there's a gig I've done twice now. Um, I got it from Craigslist and um, it's a moderate rate. It's a, it's, I mean, respectfully, it's, it's not the highest rate, but I really like the industry it revolves around. And uh, I had a really good time last year. So I, I took the job again and uh, one of the first things I asked him was, hey, like, what's the situation with the audio? Because the last time I did the gig, they needed like multiple channels of audio. And while I can handle that, I have to kind of prepare for that. And I also don't want to be trying to rig mics on site. I want to be like ready to go. Like I'm a big believer in like prepping your rig for the shoot and not really doing much on the shoot regarding like building. Um, so audio is really kind of a thing that... Uh, I always like to make sure and understand the scope for. I mean, also just like basic things. Is the is the event indoor, outdoor, or is a shoot indoor, outdoor? Like if you're shooting on a cinema camera, you don't have NDs, like you're gonna need to prepare for that. So um, knowing that is really important. And then um, the last thing is uh, probably the most important because you know we all want to make money. Um, payment terms. Uh, emailing someone, having the payment terms clarified on paper um, or digital. Is, is critical. What's the payment terms? It's not that hard of a question to ask and it's not a hard, it shouldn't be a hard question to answer. So like, I mean, we've dealt with clients. Yeah, I mean, we've dealt with clients in the past where it's like net 30, net 60, net 90, that's fine. If those are your terms, you gotta tell us the terms. Um, if you go on a gig and uh, the payment terms are net 90 and you didn't know that, you know, and you, and you send an invoice, 
Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. Um, and that's fine. It's just like, hey, understanding the terms, it keeps everyone accountable. Like I have clients that I've sent, uh, I've clarified, I haven't clarified payment terms with, and uh, turns out they're net 90. And I'm like, oh man, like I honestly, like I know it's like I'm going to get paid, but it's like 90 days for this, for like a $700 day rate. Like it's just a lot of work and time to wait. So think about that, you know? But yeah, those were my, uh, those were my freelance gig tips for today's freelance corner all right now we're gonna get into filmmaker miscellaneous where we just talk about anything we want anything in our, in our mind there regards uh filmmakers equipment just tech and that space and i think uh you know obviously gonna get into a little bit of ai <laughs> we've been we've been dabbling a little bit in ai we i think my stance is that obviously like the way that some people use it in creating art it is a, there's that blurry line because there's been moments where you will literally see the watermark in the new creation. And I think the best way to use AI is as a tool, not as like the final product end all. Like I know some people are going to use it that way. We try to like use it to like get us started in the pre-pro in the pre-pro or even help us in post a little bit, which is where we've been using it more in the audio section. Because yeah, we've been using the uh, Adobe Podcast Beta uh, Audio Enhancer, we've been using that quite a bit. Although it did backfire us, backfire on us for a bit, so we've been stepping back from it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just showing that like the human eye does know what's natural and what's not, you know. And and that was a really interesting thing because we we basically like made the decision that like shotgun microphone cutting from shotgun microphone abruptly from going from a lavalier it was like a very like technical like it was a noticeable difference so we we did try the enhancer um but then the viewer didn't see a microphone and the audio enhancing plugin ended up making the uh audio sound like it sounds in a studio very like clean crisp and like ultra like ultra clean you know yeah and then that software is like made specifically for podcasts so it mainly the however it was made the is for dialogue so there could be a moment that we have a sound effect in that uh track and or we have like music playing and it would force force it and try to create make it do dialogue just talk dialogue and it just sounds super weird and like kind of creepy yeah you got to keep an eye out uh, so that's the thing we can't use it for all of it obviously even like a hit like if you went if you like are walking and you like made like a like a sound it would like it would listen to that sound and it would try to like make that sound sound like a voice yeah it would be like and you were just like what what is that yeah um so i mean it's really tough so a you cannot just like slap it in and go um it's not like an adjustment layer you just throw on your timeline and just fix it you gotta like sift through and find it now on the contrary we've had like a client reach out to us and send me like a caf audio file which is like an iphone phone recording and then they're like hey how do you make this can we stitch this um this recording together and then we also like enhance it because it sounds like it's on a phone i'm like was it was it on a phone okay let me see what i can do and then like you know we used it and it worked great so it's like that was an example of the of the plugin working but that was also a situation where hey that plugin was designed for this um i think it's just like you said it's 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 the right it's a tool it's not a replacer it's a tool and we have to learn as creators to 
have tools in our arsenal and know when to use them, know when to, uh, when to avoid them. And, um, yeah, there's going to be people that prevail and get away with things one way or the other by using AI. And that's going to make a lot of people upset. But, um, I still think there's just like a, the, the AI always is going to need a conductor, um, to a degree. Um, and I think that for the most part, like when the questions like you were asking me a while ago, like, do you think it's going to like replace our jobs or do you, are you nervous about it? I think that like, yes, I am nervous about AI in a sense of, um, hyper reality and what it will do to viewers in regards to how much consuming how much content they're wanting and expecting to consume um because i know as a human i don't want to generate that much content i don't want to i don't want to uh regurgitate so many things like that that's just not fun to make that vol i mean we've already like as a company avoided and worked to work away from being a volume-based production company and um ai like with the way they're doing movies and whatnot it's like it's creating um it's creating a way to give content to viewers much faster um so that's my only thing i don't like because i don't like volume yeah that's fair and like i mean i've seen like this i don't know i didn't look into much but this a this ai software delay will cut make cuts in the premiere timeline for you like you just press a button and just goes through it and i mean that could be great as like the first draft but i'm still like kind of like i don't know i want to do it myself <laughs> i don't want to lean on it too much um but it's, it's still in early stages i just don't think for the creative side the uh the art of it it should be like used as much as people like tend to use it like it should be at least for me it should be like something to like get me started at the blank canvas and then add to it or like make something that was inspired by it rather than like, Oh yeah, this is what we're going to make. I did it in AI. Yeah. And I think there's just like, there's always going to be like, by any means is this belittling this profession, but like there's all, there's been industries that have like kind of had a dramatic shift of like one, one I would say is like travel agencies. Right. So like when the internet allowed viewers to search, browse, research, to book and to have this abundance of, uh, of companies uh, trying to give them quotes for pricing, et cetera. The, the travel agent became less and less of a desirable need and regarding to planning a trip. Well, hey, there's still travel agents that are working and doing great because not everyone wants to do that. Yeah. Um, just like not everyone pro wants to go through the AI process or not everyone's super tech savvy and they wanna just hire the contractor that they've worked with for years that can produce the quality product they, they want. So, you know, you have to look at things like that. So when, if, if anyone comes to you and is like, Oh, but you're nervous about AI, like screw you, dude. Like, first off, that's a shitty thing to say, but also it's like, you got to think outside of the box and, and, and you got to evolve with tech. Yeah. Um, I will say that like, it is pretty wild what it can do, but um, I know we talked about the the fo first photos that really caught my attention about with AI in connection with humans. It was those those uh, party photos of the younger like they're like the Gen Z teens and this like grungy like I, it was like this like it had this like uh, very interesting color like filmic color. Yeah, I think it was taking like a little film uh, disposable camera and yes. you know it, it looks at first glance it looks so real. You're like oh yeah these are just people having a party and they 
Like, no, wait a second. It looks a bit off. And then it was all AI generated. Yeah, yeah they were like very u- unique. They look like like LA model scene people because yeah. they were like all like very like model-esque the way they look very thin very like lean and uh just they just look very like editorial so it was like is this like a stage like uh versace ad or something and then you like then you started to like look and things and you zoom in like wow why is that woman's fingers like why do they look like hot dogs or like the teeth or another thing um there's another thing uh this is this okay this is interesting so um first off we we work on visuals that move so our content is is 20 2398 24 30 60 fps so there's multiple frames per second to show the visuals now photography is a different space because that's a single image there's a lot more you can do to focus on a single image that's not moving um so there's a feature where you can pay 25 dollars and you can upload your headshot uh, or upload iPhone photos or mobile photos to get professional headshots that are AI created. And they will essentially generate you, I think it's like a hundred photos. And um, they uh, essentially, they take multiple angles of like you smiling, laughing, whatever, wearing different clothes. And then they put you in, in, in headshot environments. And um, it's interesting. So my uh, mother-in-law, my wife hired uh, the company to do it for her mother-in-law's photos. And I would say, honestly, like 10 out of the 70 she got weren't like unusable. Like they were solid photos. They looked a little airbrushed. Um, like, you know, like, but I, but I'm going to say that, but like I go on Facebook cause I, I like, you know, certain, certain generational people focus on certain platforms. Facebook is a big platform for certain people. And the people that were commenting on the headshots were like just rolling on how amazing they were. And they weren't commenting on the airbrush at all. I'm like, this looks incredibly fake, but people don't see like that, you know? So that was kind of crazy. Cause like, I remember like when I first bought my first headshot, like for professional purposes, like it was an investment and it was a lot. And like, that was like a, ah, damn, that's, that's good enough to work. That's wild. So it's a company that makes AI headshots. Well, so the company made the software and then you pay for them to generate you a, so you, okay. So you upload this, you upload photos and then they uh, email you back like an hour or two later with like all the headshots. Interesting. So similar, like with that trend when once AI got like more, consumer friendly like everybody started posting on their instagrams headshots like different medieval and all this stuff and i'm like what is going on oh so you saw the post but didn't know the context yeah like oh i seen like a bunch of people like it it was when it like became big i don't know if it was the same stuff it was trending no we found it on tiktok like like so many people that i follow just like started posting all these like paintings of them it was i was like what is going on yeah. yeah it's weird i mean like i like so i'm not a big use i don't use tiktok like recreationally but my wife is like all about tiktok so i watch tiktok but i don't engage in tiktok so like my wife is essentially like scrolling and then she'll save things and then she'll like have like a 20 to show me at the end of the night yeah. oh yeah I, he, like, he's the guy that like sends me reels on uh <laughs> on instagram I, you know what i do that and you know what it's funny because like sometimes you don't even respond i send you funny well shit, i thought dude. you know i it's this friendship that i have with like uh my other friend is you know we look you send it at uh meme and then you look at it like cool and laugh at it and then you move on like i don't have to respond to every meme <laughs> I try to I, respond to like 80%. I'm like, I send you yeah, really that was a good, good meme. Okay, like cool. I, 
I feel like I sent you really good stuff though. Like, <laughs> I just sent you really good. To me. I, like the one I sent you the other day, you responded to. Yeah, well, I try. Sometimes oh, I like. Yeah. I feel like I don't need to respond. Like it was funny. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> wow. You know what? Whatever you are, like a gen z hybrid kid like it's just a generational thing you know Listen, I'm, As I'm a millennial, millennial just like you <laughs> i can i can i can appreciate uh a, a little emoji response but like at least but just to see okay i'll message. respond with emojis at least if i have nothing if i don't have anything on top yeah. of my head you know what annoys me though honestly like and this is like a these are personal problems I, i'm aware like i know these are personal problems. like i'll t i'll respond to someone's story and like, and these are typically like, like younger people, like, and, and I know, like, I, I know in my head, I know this isn't a, a problem. Like I'll say, wow, awesome. <laughs> and they just will, they'll just see, it says scene. They don't even like it. And I'm like, dude, I'm like, I'm your cousin, bro. Like, like <laughs> your name is right I'm now. your cousin, bro. Like, you're not even going to respond. I wonder which one of the cousins. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that's just me being like uh, old and analyzing social and uh, start sending, start responding with emojis. I, I, it is funny though. I, um, you know how the iPhone can let you like see messages or uh, edit messages, and then you can yeah. unsend them. Well, the thing is, is like it, you can unsend from the mobile device, but a lot of people like like I have a lot of clients that text me through their computer because it's iMessage on their Macs, and uh, it doesn't work there. No. So you, if you unsend on mobile, if it does work, it doesn't always work. I, I don't know the legality or the logistics behind it, but yes. So I've had clients like send me things and then unsend them. And then like, I, but I'm talking to them on my message on the mobile and I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm like, what? Um, so there's a lot of things that like, uh, the unsending has, uh, you know, it's it. That's a new feature. I use it a lot. Yeah, like, I use it I a lot. I don't unsend things. I I edit things. Like I love it to not like a typo. Um, but yeah, that was a new thing I learned. Is like, oh, like I still see it, and they're like, oh. Yeah, shit. You think they would Apple would think of that? Like, I mean, I'm sure people message through iMessage on the Mac, so we should probably also add the feature there. It tells you when you send it that it won't. It won't. Can't guarantee it was unsent everywhere. I know there's a limit, like 15 minutes. Like you have 15 minutes to do it. And oh, is there a limit? Yeah, it's 15 okay. minutes. They said, and then I've, that's how long you have to like take it out. Yeah, I, I uh, <laughs> I've definitely, uh, I've definitely used it a few times. Uh, I've made mistakes, or I'm like, because like unlike you, because you take forever to send any messages, which is like so I've, annoying. I've tried, dude. You are so annoying with texting and typing. Like I. I swear. I well, I, I look at the message. I'm also like in the middle of something. No, I look at the message. I'm like, okay, cool. I need to think for a second what I'm gonna say. Let me re respond and later, and I forget. Compl I completely forget. This is what this is what he does. I, like we, we use Slack, which thank you Slack for years and years of good uh, support because Slack is really great for team connection. In my opinion, it's a great chat service. It's easy to use, easily integrated, and we can use it with Frame. I like Slack. Man, free sponsorship right there. No, I mean, it is, well, Slack is free for us. So it is, thank you. Okay, so my point is, I see this guy typing. I'm like, hey, what, blah, blah, blah. And it'll, you'll type, and then you'll, like, I'm like, are you deleting the typing? And then, like, then it, like, pauses. So I'm like, okay, so I'm like, how are we doing on this? And then I'm like, I see a little typing. And I'm like, okay, cool, I'm going to get an answer. So I wait. And then, like, I don't, and then, like, and then it goes away, and I'm like, okay. Then I like I'll like 
do something else, come back. Then I see you typing again. And I'm like, oh, okay, he'll answer. That's, that's the thing, though. That's the patient thing. He's not patient. And then the, the way you message is word by word message. Hey, I enter. I thought like it's just like five messages just trying to make one sentence. So it's very different than we message. That's how my brain works. It's very Because <laughs> at times I'm like, okay, I'm just going to wait until he's done because it just keeps going. I'm trying. Okay. I, I will. Sometimes lately I've like, I'll like see, I'll like send like messages and it goes from like the sentences like slowly reduce and then it's like one word. I'm like, damn it. I should have probably tried to condense that a little bit. But. I'm, I'm weird about texting. Like uh, every time I even have to, I even read out, I'll read out loud what I'm about to send just to make sure it like sounds like good. <laughs> it's not like I'm being an ass. Yeah. With that being said, that it concludes the first episode of The Creative Producer. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in and listening. Make sure you subscribe and follow along this journey. We're going to be trying to release at least one episode a month, I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, this is going to be a cool, cool experience. Let us know what you'd like to hear more of. Let us know what you think we should stop talking about. And um, we'll see you on the next messaging. one. Messaging. <laughs> yeah, messaging. We'll see you on the next one. Ah.